Welcome to the Eerie First Podcast, the weekly message series featuring Pastor Nicole Schreiber. Here's a question for you. Have you ever been misquoted? Has anyone ever told people that you said something that you didn't say? Or maybe they took something you did say and they twisted it and changed the intention or the meaning to make it seem like you said something that you really didn't say. It's infuriating when someone tells people that you said something that you didn't. Today, we're starting a brand new series called Misquoted. And we're going to take a look at a few common ideas that followers of Jesus tend to do that Jesus never really said to do. And we're going to get started with a big one because Jesus never said to love only those who agree with you. So let's get started today. Here's Pastor Nicole. Well, welcome to church today. I'm so glad you're here. You're going to really love this new series we're starting today titled Misquoted. So let me ask you a question today. Have you ever been misquoted? Maybe a friend repeated to another friend something you said, but not exactly how you said it, and then out shoots unnecessary drama, right? You don't know what happened. Or maybe your family is a continuous game of telephone. He said that she said that he said that she said that she's totally mad. <laughs> Being misquoted is frustrating on many levels. But this doesn't just happen in everyday conversations. There are some pretty famous misquotes out there. So one of the phrases that George Washington, a president of the United States, is most famous for is, I cannot tell a lie. It is I who chopped down the cherry tree, right? Everyone remember that? You learned this in history. The problem is Washington never actually said that. <sighs> George Washington's biographer fabricated that story. He made it up. He wanted to paint Washington in a certain light to the American people. Misquoted. All right, if that didn't mess you up enough, let me give you one other one. Sherlock Holmes. Anyone watch Sherlock Holmes? Still one of the best well-known characters in, in literature. His most famous line is, even if you don't watch it, you probably know. Say it with me. Elementary, my dear Watson. But that line never appeared in Arthur Conan Doyle's short stories or novels. He never, he does say elementary at one point, and then he, he says exactly my dear Watson later, but never the most famous line that we associate with Sherlock Holmes. Just turn to the person next to you and be like, wow. All right, you can do better than that. Come on, look at the person and be like, what? What is going on? All right, I won't keep going and ruin your entire childhood, but um, Jesus said some really important things when he was on earth doing ministry. And the word of God records those lessons and anointed words from the Son of God. The word of God never misrepresents or misquotes Jesus. However, humans often do. In fact, uh, we get it wrong a lot. Sometimes we hear something, we twist it into our own version, and then we repeat it as if it's what Jesus said. Other times it's out of ignorance where we believe the misquotes, like we actually think that that's true and then we realize it's not. And sometimes, and I think maybe this happens the most, we hear a truth so many times that we become dull to the power of it. We become dull to the power of it. Let me give you an example. A pastor friend of mine once compared it to living near the train tracks. Anyone live near train tracks? Okay, if you live near the train tracks, at first, when you first move in, uh, you hear every whistle right? You feel every rumble. You're fully aware of when the train will come by. Maybe you even go and watch out the window. You know, here it comes. What's going on? 
Yet, after living there a few years, you get used to it. You get used to the vibrations of the tracks that shake the pictures on your wall. You don't even really notice the train anymore. In fact, you might invite friends over and they say, what was that? And you say, oh, I didn't even hear it because I live here and it's in my ears all the time. Sadly, that can happen with the words of Jesus. You don't even notice anymore how powerful, how impactful, how challenging, how valuable they are because you've lived near the train tracks too long. And so we're going to look at a passage of scripture today. It's a familiar passage. It's about loving each other, loving God and loving each other. But what I hope it does for you today is shakes your house a little bit. I hope that it, it has this uh, moment on you, this experience on you, where even though you've heard it maybe a hundred times before, that today the Holy Spirit of God can really check your heart to make sure that you're not just ignoring it because you've lived by the train tracks a long time. You up for it this morning? All right, so today we're going to explore a misquote, something Jesus never said, but we tend to act like he did. Jesus never said, love only those who agree with you. Love only those who agree with you. Jesus never said, it's okay not to love certain people. He never said, look out for number one. He never said, divide yourselves up into groups based on intelligence, race, politics, or cultural background. We did that. That was, the, that was humanity doing that. But Jesus never said that. In fact, he called his followers to a life that is much more admirable, that is much more fulfilling, a life that puts all of your own selfish focus to the side and calls you into great surrender to a worthy God. A life that if you cling too tightly, you will lose it. But if you give it away, you'll find it. And you'll find it even more abundantly. So I want to look at that foundational teaching today in Mark 12. And I asked Pastor Adam if he would come and help me read this scripture. It's Jesus's uh, words. They're recording Jesus's words. And it's Mark chapter 12, 28 through 34. One of the teachers of the law came and heard them debating Noticing that Jesus had given them a good answer, he asked him, of all the commandments, which is the most important? So this question is actually was a common debate in the day. Um, the religious teachers thought that the way to get to heaven was to follow 613 commandments perfectly. Well, how many of you know 613 commandments is overwhelming? And so what would happen is they would commonly go and they would ask the rabbi and say, look, I know that there's all of those in there, but what's the most important? Can you tell me the thing I should focus on the most? Because this, this is kind of an overwhelming uh, thing to look at. And so this question that they asked Jesus was a very common question to ask a rabbi in the time. The most important one, answered Jesus, is this. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind and with all your strength. The second is this. Love your neighbor as yourself. There are no greater commandment than these. So Jesus basically says, look, you're asking the wrong question. <laughs> There are 613 rules that you're trying to keep perfect. But even if you keep all those rules exactly, you've missed the heart of God. You've missed the heart of God. It's all about loving God and loving each other. Loving God and loving each other. That's the big idea. That's the bottom line. 
That's the bullseye. It's the meat and the potatoes. It's, it's the essence. It's the root. It's the main point. Jesus is saying, stop asking me this question because you've missed the point altogether. It's about loving me and loving each other. Well said, teacher, the man replied. You are right in saying that God is one and there is no other but him. To love him with all your heart, with all your understanding, and with all your strength, and to love your neighbor as yourself is more important than all burnt offerings and sacrifices. When Jesus saw that he had answered wisely, he said to him, you are not far from the kingdom of God. And from then on, no one dared ask him any more questions. I think the, the men's response was very telling. Uh, as they were talking to Jesus, they were too scared to even be mad at what he was saying. <laughs> They were shell-shocked. They were petrified. In fact, it says they didn't dare ask him any more questions. He had spoken with such authority. He had said, this is the final answer, with such authority that they didn't dare ask him any more questions. I love how Jesus is just wrecking their system. He is just shifting their paradigm. He's tipping everything upside down. Jesus is saying, look, I know that you've been trying hard to be religious. I know that you've been trying hard to follow all these rules, but that isn't what I want you to do. My way is different. I want you to love me and love other people. Love me and love other people. And he's just completely uh, shifting all their thinking that they had. In fact, Pastor Adam, before you uh, go to back to your seat today, will you just pray for us uh, that God would wreck our, 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 us today, God would wreck our thinking, our thinking that is not of him. And if you're sitting at your seat and you just want to raise your hands like this to receive this prayer, I would love for you to do that. Father God, we thank you, Lord, for your word. We thank you for your truth, God. We thank you that you challenge us to go higher in the standard of living. And so, Lord, we ask in the name of Jesus that today you would tear down any lies that we've put up or any things we've believed or even spoken out of our mouths that are misquoted from your scripture. Holy Spirit, we ask you give us grace to receive your word and empower us to live out your word, to love you and to love our neighbors as ourselves in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you, Adam. So you might be thinking, you know, I do okay with the love everyone thing. I feed my neighbor's cat when they're on vacation. I smile at strangers. The mask thing has caused some problems with that. I don't hate anyone by name, <laughs> specifically. The truth is, you might do okay with the people in your immediate circle, but how well do you love those who are living a different lifestyle than you? How well do you love those with a different value system than you? How well do you love those who have a different political point of view or different theological point of view? How well do you love those who are causing trouble for you? How well do you love those who you cannot relate to at all? What's your response to those people? I think today, if we're being honest with ourselves, you might say, love our neighbor. What that actually looks like as we walk it out is I'll love you if you look like me, act like me, sound like me, or relate to me on some level. I'll only love those who agree with me. 1 John 2.6 gives Christ followers an enormous challenge. There's nothing simple. There's nothing easy about this challenge. In fact, uh, when I told my husband when I was preaching on uh, today, he said, well, man, don't hold it back on Mother's Day. He's like, geez. <laughs> I said, well, Jesus says what to say. So I'm just the messenger. But it says, 1 John 2.6, whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Whoever claims to live in him must live as Jesus did. Pretty simple. Francis Chan 
He's an author, he's a theologian, and he describes this truth as a divine game of follow the leader. Raise your hand if you remember that game, if you played that game maybe as a young child. Okay, let me explain it to you. It's not complicated, there's not a lot of rules. There's one person is the leader, and the other kids follow the leader. <laughs> they do what the leader does. If the leader flaps their arms, they flap their arms. If the leader jumps over the rock, they jump over the rock. And in the Christian life, Jesus is the leader, we're the followers. Yet somehow we often mistranslate this and we figure instead of doing actual things Jesus did, we can just hypothetically do those things. We can just believe they are the right things, but not actually do them. For example, Jesus said, go and make disciples. Jesus said, love your enemies. Jesus said, do good to those who hate you. Jesus didn't just instruct us in a hypothetical way. He's not just asking us to memorize these verses and exegete these verses and sit and listen to the pastor talk about these verses or do them in your heart. The expectation is to follow the leader and actually do the things. Uh, I, I won't um, tell you a lot about my family on Mother's Day, but I do want to tell you one story about my oldest daughter who's 13, well, almost 13, I guess next month. And uh, I thought of it this way this week. When I tell my daughter to empty the dishwasher, there is no hidden meaning in that directive. Right? What I mean is empty the dishwasher. Like get the dishes out of the dishwasher and put them in so I can refill it. So she came back two hours later and said, Mom, I memorized what you told me. I can say it exactly how you said it, even with your annoyed tone of voice. <laughs> I'd be like, great but the dishes are actually still in the dishwasher and I need to load it soon, <laughs> so get them out. Or if she said, Mom, I looked up the Greek and I know all the root meaning of the word empty and dishwasher now. Are you proud? Or even if she said, Mom, I did a Zoom call with my friends and we decided to start a small group to talk about what it would be like to put the dishes away. <laughs> I'm really super excited. All of my replies to these comments would be what? Just do the thing. Do the thing I'm asking you to do. Get the dishes out. I don't care if you have a Zoom call or memorize the Greek or know what I'm saying. Do what I asked you to do. And sometimes I wonder how Jesus feels when we do everything except the thing that he's clearly asking us to do. Loving one another takes selflessness. It takes effort. It takes obedience. And it's interesting because Jesus talks about how we won't be able to be like Jesus if we just try to do it on our own. Let's be honest. People are jerks. <laughs> they, they are. People do rotten things to you. Uh, people in this world are, are going are, are gonna to do things that hurt you and that don't, you, you don't have any uh, reason to be nice to them back. It takes effort. But Jesus says, look, I know that. I know you're going to need outside help. And God will provide that for you. He says, you have the Holy Spirit to empower you and to lead you. In Galatians 5, he talks about this. And he basically says in verse 14, again, what I talked about in Mark, for the entire law is fulfilled in keeping this one command, love your neighbor as yourself. And then he says in verse 16, so I say, walk by the Spirit and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh, for the flesh desires what is contrary to the spirit, and the spirit what is contrary to the flesh. They're in conflict with each other, so that you are not to do whatever you want. And what he's attaching these two things together, he says, listen, it's going to be hard. It's going to be hard to love everybody, 
but you need to do it and the Holy Spirit will help you. And it will not feel like your natural self. It will not feel like your flesh. In fact, I think that scripture is telling us we won't want to do it, (laughs) but the Holy Spirit will help us do it. Somewhere along the way, we have misquoted Jesus and we have believed that it is the Christian's duty to condemn those who just don't get it. We feel like we have the right to openly proclaim resistance against those who disagree with us. And we have decided to be more vocal about what we're against rather than what we're for. And the bottom line is many Christians have somehow started believing that it is acceptable to be mean. Let me clear up any misrepresentation of Jesus' words for you today. Hate is not an option for a Christian, ever. Not, Not even a little. It is never an option. Now listen, we can hate the devil. We can hate the evil and the injustice in the world, but we don't have the option of hating anyone created in the image of God. Is it gonna be hard? Yeah. But will the Holy Spirit help us? Yes. Jesus died for every person, every person, even those whose politics or lifestyles we cannot stand. And we must look at others through God's eyes, not our own. We have to love the people that we don't even like. In Mark 5, uh, we see this passage that I read as I was studying um, this today, and we see Jesus interacting with an unpopular man. Um, in fact, Jesus got off the boat, and this man approaches him, and he's dirty, and he's beat up, and he's frustrated, and his clothes are torn, and he hadn't spoken to another human being in quite some time. And the scripture says he, he actually was literally possessed with a demon, which is the antithesis of Jesus. So he was everything Jesus wasn't. And he falls on his knees before Jesus and he cries out, what do you want with me? And the thing that struck me so much about the scripture is not so much the description of the man, but what Jesus did. Jesus didn't run from this demon-possessed man. Jesus was not disgusted with his condition. He didn't blast him with hate or disapproval. He didn't give him a good old lecture and talking to and tell him how wrong he was with his life and what is he doing He didn't write out a sign and hold it in front of him in a parade. He walked right into his world. He met this man where he was. He loved him as he was. And then he set him free from all that bound him. People without Jesus typically live and act in ways that are offensive to people who know Jesus. Right? People who don't know Jesus typically live and act in ways that are offensive to people who know Jesus. And I think we get it wrong when we expect others to act like we do, when they neither hold our values or our worldviews. We cannot expect a secular world to act like a Christ-following world. And getting angry with an unbeliever for how he or she acts is no more effective than getting angry with a sick person for showing symptoms. How dare you do that? How dare you feel nauseous? Stop that. People without Jesus need Jesus, just like a sick person needs a doctor. And I want to show you today that the scripture says, look, it's a spiritual problem. 
It may feel like a personal problem. You may feel like you're being personally attacked or, or someone is intentionally hurting you. But listen, it's a spiritual problem. And hate and anger won't do it any good. That's never the medicine. That is never the solution. Jesus says that is never the thing that triumphs all. Love is the thing that conquers it all. So who do you have a hard time loving? Is it drug addicts? Is it people who are prideful? Is it poor people? Is it the homosexual community? Is it Democrats? Is it Republicans? Is it a certain race or a certain culture? Listen, Jesus is showing us here in Mark 5 by this example that we do not have the option to judge, resist, hate, or ignore. If I'm being honest, if, if I was in Mark 5, and I think often of put myself in Scripture when I read it, and if that man approached me, I think I would have a hard time loving him. In fact, I would have the tendency to judge him, to resist him, and even my most popular response, ignore him. <laughs> because that's how I deal with it when I don't know how to love somebody. But Jesus says, look, that's not how it can be. We have to learn to see people how God sees them with eyes of compassion. And it is a misquote when we believe we only have to love those who agree with us. Luke 10, 29, uh, Jesus is talking about love your neighbor. And you know, there's always that one guy in the back. Maybe you are the one guy in the back, you know. But he shouts out, but, but who is your neighbor? Right? I mean, you know, who is it actually? And what I think he's asking is, where does this whole loving thing stop? Like, does, do, just like the physical people who live in my apartment building or just my family or just the people I choose to call friends or just those I find commonalities with? And Jesus responds by telling the story of the Good Samaritan. And really what you could summarize the story of the Good Samaritan is when people are asking, who is my neighbor? Jesus says, look, anyone in your path anyone in your path. In fact, everyone you meet because there are no coincidences. And therefore, everyone and anyone in your path is there on purpose. Why do you think this is the most important commandment? Why did Jesus sum up his teachings and to love God and love each other? I think John 13, 35 sheds some light on that. It says, by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. It's our calling card. It's the thing that we're supposed to be known for. And this morning, church, I, I just want to tell you, we have got to get this right. Like, this is the part that we've got to get right. I, I want us to worship with fire in our bones like we did last week and like we did this week. I want us to pray until our voice is hoarse. I want us you to be in community. I want you to study the word of God. I want you to do all these things. But listen, we have to get this right. This is the part that Jesus says. that He's not going to go up there and say, well, how many hours did you pray before you came in? He said, listen, you got to love me and you got to love each other. We have to get this right. And in a culture where it is increasingly uh, divided between secular and Christian, we have to be an example. Jesus says, look, I have a whole new way, a whole different way. And it's not following every single rule to the T. He says, let me lead your life every day. Because loving God with all you have and loving each other 
is exactly what I want you to do. It's the most important thing. Will you watch this video this morning?
last route, hit would all be hard to swallow. Heroin took my parents in, spit them out as a broken model. Broken bottles and no tomorrows, lonely sorrows and phony models. I'm doing good, I'm just fine, but inside my soul was hollow. My life was a hot mess, home far from spotless. Syringes left behind cabinet doors, liquor bottles in closets. I went to church a few times, they shook my hand, said God bless, but no one embraced, closed in a space. This orphan needed their arms stretched. By the time I was 16, left my house for the third time. By 17, I didn't have a home. Nomadic roaming to survive. Inside, I hated God. Waited long for love to land. Loneliness was my only friend. And no one seemed to understand. And all of that is a true story. So how did I get here today? My heart beats to God's rhythm. Jesus Christ took tears away. But how he do it? Here's the way. pray for you today. Thank you, Holy Spirit, that you empower us to love each other. We want to be an example to the world. Help us guide, help us and guide us. Show us even when it's difficult. Give us the words to say. Help us love even when it's not our natural bend to do that. God, we thank you so much. We want to be known for the way that we love you, the way that we love each other. We want to be a light on a hill, like the scripture says, that cannot be hidden. And God, it's in your strong and amazing name I pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to the Erie First Podcast. If you like this podcast, please give us a rating and a review at Apple Podcasts and share it with your friends. You can find all our series, videos, and podcasts at eriefirst.org, along with all our latest news, announcements, and information. Thanks again for joining us. We'll see you next time.